With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Welcome to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with your host, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Parthenia is a psychologist and certified natural health care practitioner who will show you alternative paths toward health with a holistic approach. Call with your questions or comments at 610-664-4100. Now here's the host of Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Good morning to those of you listening to our live broadcast or live internet simulcast today, June 23, 2007. And hello to those of you listening to an internet rebroadcast tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time or possibly Wednesday or Thursday this week. The link for that is on my site. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard at WWDB 860 on the AM dial and simulcast on an international internet station. To call into the program, call 866-909-9855 or send emails during the show to wellnessradio at amtherapies.com. On this program, we discuss alternative medicine therapies, related products, and issues, and we do it with the experts. Only try the therapies shared here after consulting with your physician. Last Saturday, my guests were Camelia Kinslow, a skincare specialist, and Sir Lawrence, stylist, cosmetology educator, and entrepreneur. At that show's end, we discussed the herb fault unicorn and the asana shalabhasana one. If you missed that show, you can go to my website at www.amtherapies.com, click on the radio show link to hear the show. For appointments with me, call 610-687-6184, and for general information, 610-660-7710. My guest today is Eugene Richardson, a Tuskegee Airman, a recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor, dear friend, and very much into alternative medicine. At the end of the program, we will discuss the herb fennel and the asana bhujagasana, or the breathing meditation ujjayi, if time permits. Now it's time for our wellness news. Thank you, Anthony. We have a, a guest uh, engineer today. Uh, about um, about .com alternative medicine. Does acidophilus need to be refrigerated? Uh, this is from Kathy Wong. Once acidophilus is opened and refrigerated, it still it will still be effective if I take it on a seven-hour plane ride and it is stored at room temperature. Hmm. For those of you who are unfamiliar with acidophilus, it is a live bacteria believed to assist in balancing the levels of microorganisms in the body, particularly the intestines. Acidophilus and other beneficial microorganisms are collectively called probiotics and are available in many forms, such as capsules, tablets, powder, liquid, and in foods such as yogurt and acidophilus milk. Most acidophilus products require refrigeration to preserve the number of live bacteria in the product. 
Although the number of live bacteria is indicated on the label, it is the number of live bacteria at the time of manufacture. Improper storage of one is one factor that can cause a loss of bacteria. The independent lab, ConsumerLab.com, tested 26 probiotic supplements and found that eight of the products contain less than 1% of the claimed number of live bacteria or of the expected minimum of 1 billion. Why is the number of live bacteria important? Products that are low in live bacteria may not be effective or have health benefits. For your trip, although there may be some loss of live bacteria, storing acidophilus at room temperature for one day or less should not cause a significant problem or significant enough drop in the number of live bacteria that the product becomes ineffective. Here are some additional tips that may help. Store the acidophilus in pill case rather than bringing the entire bottle so that you are only bringing what you need for the duration of your trip. Once you reach your destination, put the acidophilus in the hotel room fridge if you can, or if you're staying with someone, ask them to store it in their fridge. Another option is to purchase an acidophilus product that does not require refrigeration. One such product is the acidophilus pearls by Enzymatic Therapy. They come in small boxes and can be purchased at many health food stores, some grocery and drug stores, and online. They look like pearls rather than capsules. ConsumerLab.com tested a sample of this product for the number of live bacteria and approved it. Also to consider when purchasing an acidophilus product, choose smaller quantities. The longer you keep the acidophilus product before you consume it, the greater the loss of live bacteria. Okay. As I said earlier, our guest today is Eugene J. Richardson, Jr., uh, who was born in Cleveland, Ohio, in 1925. His father was a minister, and uh, Eugene spent his childhood in a number of small towns in Ohio. He lived in Toledo for 10 years prior to moving to Camden, New Jersey. Oh, also, I want you to know he's in studio, folks. I'm getting a treat today. I can actually look at a live human being. Um, World War II provided the opportunity for Eugene to realize his dream of becoming a pilot. He passed an exam and became a pre-aviation cadet in the spring of 1943. He was inducted into the Army Air Corps in October of 1943. He had basic training, Army training, at Keesler Field, Mississippi. He went to Tuskegee in January 1944 and completed flight training in March 1945 and was commissioned second lieutenant in Class 45A, and I guess he'll explain what all of that means, uh, in the Tuskegee Army Airfield in Alabama. He then went to Waterboro Army Airfield in South Carolina for combat training in April of 1945. There he flew the P-40 and the P-47 type aircraft, which he is also going to explain or describe to us, because I've only known the Cessnas. I don't know anything (laughs) about P-40 or P-47. The war in Europe ended in May of 1945. He did not have to go into combat and was discharged in June of 1946. He earned his B.S., M.A., M.A., and Doctor of Education degrees. His career in education spanned 35 years, ladies and gentlemen, as a teacher and principal of middle schools. My goodness, that's hard work, Uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and he retired in 1991. Good morning, Eugene. Good morning, Parthenia. And I left out a whole lot of stuff about you, but we'll we'll cover it during the interview. (laughs) 
And how are you this morning? Oh, quite well, thank you. Quite well. I knock on wood. My head's getting sore, but I keep knocking on wood. <laughs> and doesn't he have a wonderful radio voice, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, he had. He dabbled in radio some time ago there. Hopefully I'll get some of that information in, too. What was life like growing up for you in Cleveland in 1925? Well, I was actually an infant when we left Cleveland, but <laughs> all infant. those other little towns in Ohio. Uh, it was during the Depression, okay. so, uh, you know, things were quite scarce. Mm-hmm. But we always made do from a large family. There were 11 of us. Oh, my. Okay, that was my next question, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. 11. How, how many brothers and sisters? I have eight sisters and two oh, brothers. Well, I had goodness. eight sisters and two brothers. All those women. Uh, family order were four girls first. Oh. And then there were three boys. I'm the oldest of the three boys. Oh. And then there were four more girls. My word. So, so I, that's I, why you're so such a gentleman. I you? learned to love women and respect <laughs> women. And <laughs> Well, now, how, were, how old were you when you became interested in flying planes? And, and what experience piqued you? I was really only about five or six. Isn't that uh, cute? We were living in Mansfield, Ohio. And I saw an air circus put on by black pirates. And I later learned that it was a group of pirates that called themselves the Blackbirds. Oh. And I saw this air circus when I was a, little, a real young kid. You see these things go across the ground up in the air and they act like birds as it collapses. And that's when <laughs> I uh, became interested in, in flying. And ever since then, you know. That's very interesting. I always I, had that dream to be a pilot. I don't think many people ever heard of a colored air circus. Well, and but we'll see. There whole there's a whole lot about the history of blacks in aviation that people don't know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, during the 30s, um, there was this, this group that went around the country to air services. I guess part of it was they weren't in uh, an integral part of the military. Oh, per definitely se, so not. They had definitely. to do something with all Everything of that. Everything was talent. totally segregated then. Mm-hmm. Now let me see. What made you want to join the Air Corps, uh, and at what age? Did you actually join? Well, you know, during World War II, uh, you know, there was a war on during the 40s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became draft age in 1944, uh, 43 rather. And uh, I didn't want to go dig ditches and all that kind of stuff for the Army. Plus, I saw the opportunity to, uh, to fly. I was reading in the Pittsburgh Courier that uh, there was a black squadron mm-hmm. down at Tuskegee. So my hope was to join that squadron. Then I learned that I could take a test and qualify for uh, flight school prior to induction. And I did that, and I was lucky enough to get in, go through flight school, get my wings. Lucky, ladies and gentlemen, lucky. Huh. Well, now, you had to get your father's permission, right? And uh, he wasn't too... And he wasn't too happy about idea. that. Um, he's so afraid, so afraid for us. He didn't want me to join the Boy Scouts oh. because he said the Boy Scouts are training you to be soldiers. He didn't want any of his boys to have to be soldiers. Mm. But my mother was a little more... Sympathetic, so she uh, signed for me. That's nice. Okay. Now, um, basic training in Mississippi for, what, three months? What major lesson was learned there? Don't go back to Mississippi. <laughs> you see, now, he was thinking. You could see the thoughts going across his mind while I, when I asked that question. Mm-hmm. Say, don't go back, but it's such a beautiful place. Well, things are so totally different now. <laughs> and we're back, we're yeah. talking 1943. Yeah. And today, things are just so totally different. Yeah. You would never think that all that stuff happened uh, back then. So do you ever go back to visit some of those places? Well, I, I did. We were on a bus tour once. We did go to uh, Biloxi. I didn't get to go to the air base, but I did mm-hmm. go back to uh, Biloxi, which is you know, just That's outside the air base. 
Well, now, when you said we. Ah, Well, I was on okay. a bus tour with my uh, some friends, my wife and others. Okay, hold that thought. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. The program is sponsored by Alternative Medicine Therapies in Dallas, Pennsylvania. Visit my website, www.amtherapies.com, or call 610-687-6184. Hear us live on the Internet by clicking the Wave 7th Wave Network link on my site. We'll be back with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman, recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor, dear friend, and very much into alternative medicine. Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies at 610-660-7710 for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative medicine therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi life therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when alternative medicine therapies with psychologist Parthenia Izzard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation at 610-660-7710 and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izzard's radio program each Saturday morning at 9 on AM860 WWDB. Don't passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments. Listen to me, Parthenia Izzard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9, for Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom. I am a local natural health care practitioner and psychologist. I will show you alternative paths toward health with an holistic approach. Don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, Parthenia Izzard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9, only on AM 860 WWDB. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. Um, the answer to last week's alt-med trivia item was that the uh, NIOSH estimates that about 3.6 million occupational injuries were serious enough to be treated in hospital emergency rooms in 1998. Now, today's alt-med trivia item is, according to the World Health Organization, WHO, in the, in the United States, 158 million of the adult population uh, use complementary medicines. And according to the USA Commission for Alternative and Complementary Medicines, is it 17, 6, or $40 billion was spent on traditional remedies in 2000? Which is it? 17, 6, or $40 billion? Call 866-909-9855. Now, as I said earlier, we're uh, talking with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman, and recipi- recipient of the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor, uh, and a dear friend. Where were you? You were telling us a little bit about this trip, this tour you took back to Bil- Biloxi, was it? Yes. With some friends? Uh, yes. It was a bus tour, you know, various cities uh, through the South. And uh, one was, uh, one stop was Biloxi. So it must be nice to be able to go back at a time when things are very different. 
and more positive. It really was. It was just so hard to believe that that kind of thing happened, you know. Well, now, let me see. Um, the Tuskegee Army, uh, you had airfield, what is it, 10 weeks of primary training, 10 weeks basic, and 10 weeks of advanced. What was, I have right. no idea. Well, just give us a brief idea of what the different the air, The Air Corps curriculum for, for pilots was those four schools, pre-flight, primary, basic, and advanced. And in pre-flight, uh, you primarily do everything is on the ground. Uh, classwork, a lot of drilling, a lot of uh, hazing, and um, See, he has to remember all this. Stuff. They're still he trying to know. figure out whether you should be whether you make a good pilot. But then in the primaries, when you first start flying, oh, okay. and we actually lived on Tuskegee's campus in Sage Hall, and we flew a two-wing um, open cockpit airplanes, and, and that was ten weeks of flying. Now, is that what you're talking about when you talk about the P this and the P that? No, those, these are, those, those are fighters. Are those were uh, fighter military point. fighters. Okay. Don't talking, laugh. I can hear the audience laughing. I'm talking about <laughs> trainers now. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Anything good. with T on it is a trainer. Oh, So all the right. PT-13 was a trainer, uh, oh, okay. two wings, open cockpit, and uh, you did that for 10 weeks. Okay. Those who successfully finished went on to basic training at Tuskegee Army Airfield. Okay. And the basic trainer was a, a, a much larger airplane, stronger, uh, more powerful engine, uh, closed mm-hmm. cockpit, uh, you know, a lot of different little technical things. Uh-huh. And those who uh, completed basic mm-hmm. for 10 weeks went on to the advanced trainer, yeah. which was um, like a semi-fighter. It even had carried two guns. Oh, my. And, uh, <laughs> so more serious. You know, tractable landing gear, flaps, uh, variable pitch propeller, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you've learned a lot of inst- you do a lot of stuff by instruments. You learn instrument flying. Uh, we even have gunnery gunnery training in the in the AT six. Oh, okay. There were two guns, one in the wing and one that fired through uh through the propeller. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do have a little bit of knowledge, hands on knowledge, because I did start getting my pilot's license. I never mm-hmm. finished. But I do feel like I have a you know, a little bit oh, mm-hmm. Anthony's laughing at me over there. That's okay, Anthony. Um, where now? What was the basic difference between your Mississippi experience and your Tuskegee experience? Well, in, in Mississippi, um, it was strictly ground um, drill work, basic training. You know, well, I mean, in terms I, of how you were treated. You well, know, we were totally different. segregated in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theater had a rope down the center, and you went in on the left or the right, depending on on your collar. Oh. Uh, the PX uh, was segregated. Uh, if we could use a swimming pool on the last day of the week, and then they flushed <laughs> Before it out. They cleaned it. Then they flushed it out, and then we just <laughs> not. You laugh at it now, but it yeah, was, it was no. absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at Tuskegee, it was all black. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're on Tuskegee's campus. Uh, you rarely saw a white person on campus. Our instructors were black. There were 42 uh, primary instructors. They were all black, and. Uh, you were treated like a, like a cadet. You know, you were under pressure. Oh, pardon me. Our commanding officer at primary was white, but he was a, a real gentleman, you know, mm-hmm. real, real great guy. Um, but just totally different experience altogether. Yeah. I guess it didn't have quite the same type of pressure because you were... Well, you know, you had the pressure of being in, in flight, training flight training and knowing, in terms of the... knowing the washout rate was 66%. Oh my! And but in Mississippi, it was a race, purely a racial thing and segregation. 
Well, now, where did the European-American trainees go for their 10-week segments? Do you know? Oh, they went all over the country. Oh, okay. Bases all over the country, but we were confined to about a 8- or 10-mile radius from Tuskegee's campus mm-hmm. for all of our training. Now, gunnery training in Eglin, is that how it's Eglin Field, Florida. Mm-hmm. And then in Waterboro, South Carolina, for combat training. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the P-40s and the P-47s. What are they like for those of us unfamiliar? Well, the P forty was a uh, at one point a first line military aircraft. It had a liquid cooled uh, twelve cylinder engine. Oh, carried that's six cool. guns. Uh, it could also carry uh, you know light bombs, and all the combat stuff that was done, uh, you learned to do it in the P forty because it was used uh, in in combat. Hmm. And the P forty seven had a radial engine, radial air cool, actually two two nine-cylinder radial engines together. And um, the difference there was that with liquid cool, there were some frequently some problems with the coolant. Uh, sometimes the airplane would overheat, especially here in South Carolina. The temperature is 85, 90 degrees, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, long taxis, long waits for takeoff, and frequently the engine could overheat. And, of course, if you lost any coolant at all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're in trouble, vast trouble. With the P-47, which was air-cooled, there's always air around to cool the engine. And uh, the P-47, it's a very rugged airplane, seven tons. And the airplanes even even brought back with, uh, you know, part of the engine shot away. And these wow. things were still able to fly and get get the guys uh, get the guys back home. Uh, the 47 carried eight guns. And um, real, real powerful, powerful machine. The guys favored it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you graduated as one of the 23 flight pilots, fighter pilots. Well, in my class, in your uh, class. Th- many people don't know that there were also bomber squadrons, Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, there were also uh, B-25 uh, mm-hmm. squadrons. And in par- each class, part of the guy, part of the class were fighters, and the other part were, were bombers. And I was in the single-engine fighter section of the class. I figured if anything's going to happen, I'm going to take care of me, and I don't have to worry about anybody else back there. You know, no, you didn't. Okay, now what was the transition like when you get back to civilian life, um, returning to Philadelphia? What was that transition like for you? The problem was that at one point it was like starting all over again. Uh, believe it or not, I was able to pass the exam to get into flight school before I'd finished high school. Right. So after coming out of service, after being a, a fighter pilot and a lieutenant, I now have to go back to high school. Unbelievable. Fortunately, <laughs> Temple University had a high school, and 85% of the guys in that high school were military veterans. Oh, well, that was So nice. that, was, that, that made it uh, more comfortable than I had anticipated. Yeah, I can only imagine mm-hmm. going back to school with I'm these kids. I'm thinking going back to school with my younger brother and yeah. all those kids, and oh my God. Mm. Now, what attracted you to education as opposed to going into a, a career of aviation? Well, actually, my first choice was engineering, oh. but all the engineering schools were full, okay. and there was a waiting list. They had a um, community college, it was a sort of a community college affair where all the colleges. Uh, cooperated mm-hmm. in education for engineering. But uh, even that had a waiting list. So my yeah. second choice was business. Mm-hmm. So I majored in business, but uh, with racism, I couldn't get the kind of jobs that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I could be a substitute. Oh, I took a job as a salesman. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but the work was done most primarily during the evening with families. And my wife was a teacher, mm-hmm. and she said, "Listen, uh, you like math and science. That they're, they're the math and science teachers, you know, substituting." So I started substituting as a math and science teacher, and I said, "Oh man, I really loved it. You know, mm-hmm. teaching and experimenting and explaining things to kids, and you know, I, and I liked uh, realized that I like crazy middle school kids." Mm-hmm. And so I stuck with education. Huh? <laughs> they were different apart. kids back then, honey. <laughs> this was back in 1955. Oh, okay. Uh, the kids were different then. <laughs> what they are today, ooh, boy. <laughs> <clears throat> now, your son, though, uh, Eugene Richardson III, became a pilot. Why don't you, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Give, give us a little well, information. Well, of course, he grew up proud. hearing about airplanes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to do, help him do model airplanes and airplane engines and so forth. And I gave him a lesson. Well, I exposed him to a lesson when he was 12 years of age. And, of course, he became enthralled with aviation. How could you not? So when he went in and went to college, we were both up at Penn State. I was doing my graduate work, and I took him with me. And uh, he did his 11th and 12th grade at at, the high school up there at Penn State, uh, State College. And um, he was in ROTC, Air Force ROTC. And uh, when he came out of service, he went into, well, he switched to, to Marine Corps ROTC. Mm-hmm. When he came out of service, he went to Quantico, got his commission. And his roommate was a helicopter pilot, oh. which further influenced him to get into and get into aviation, which he did. And he's been with uh, American Airlines now for maybe 20 years. Yeah, he's a captain. He... Um, Blew the triple seven. He actually supervised American Airlines triple seven fleet. I had a chance to go to Paris with him. It's been a week in Paris. Oh my goodness! Isn't it wonderful to have children that are successful doing these kinds of things, <laughs> especially working in the airlines? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, now you now live in Mount Airy, and yes. um, you go around. You know, now tell us about the Tuskegee Airmen chapter. Because they go around, right? Well, yeah, we have a chapter. There are chapters all over the country, and we have a chapter here in Philadelphia. And our main thing now is to motivate young people, uh, for first of all, to get the best education possible. But we'd like for them to uh, think of careers in aviation. So we um, talk about aviation, the possibilities for the military academies, uh, different schools, and Delaware State. Delaware State was one of the... Uh, Black schools had very early uh, flying programs, and Delaware State still has a flying program oh. where a person can go and actually get a uh, commercial commercial certificate in uh, for in aviation. So we, uh, you know, point kids in that direction specifically. But we also talk about the military academies, where they have a fantastic opportunities. Yeah. Um, uh, there, how many are there in the Philadelphia area? Do you know? Uh, military, aca- military academies or, or oh, we're talking like about the four: uh, West Point, Air Force, and Navy oh, Coast Guard. Oh, oh, those okay. those are national academies. High school. We try okay. to get kids to think about those academies yeah, yeah. for the college education. Very good. I for, forgive me. I was distracted because we have a caller on the line, and I wanted to stay focused with you and get ready for the caller. Hello, Lewis in New York. Uh, you have a question for Eugene? Yes. Hi. Uh, I was just wondering. He's had such a challenging life. Uh, what does he feel is uh, like the most uh, uh, exciting, exciting challenge for young people today? Well, today America. I think the challenge is to avoid all the negative things in our society. Mm. Uh, yeah. So many of our kids are led astray because of 
the negatives of television and uh, generous things in society, Hollywood and so forth, but try to avoid all those temptations, uh, the things about drugs and the negative effect, negative attitudes about education. Mm. Yes, yes, that's a challenge. Um, Anything else you'd like to ask him? Well, I, 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 I was wondering, you know, I, I was thinking that he might be is say something with regard to the uh, uh, the uh, globalization, or uh, with regard to all of the the, the the warming of the ozone, uh, the creation of the ozone area, and so forth. I, but I do what what, what as is, challenges for young people. Yes, the the most challenging thing that they have to face. Uh, well, I think if you ask them, you, he's probably pretty much right on the the nail there. That uh, they they're not really thinking that much about global warming and all that kind of thing, except as they get tidbits of that through maybe science classes and maybe a little bit in history. But yeah, for the most is. part, mm-hmm. they, especially in the inner cities, their day to day living, the things that they're challenged with on a daily basis, that that's Isn't enough. There's no thought to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Lewis, for calling. As usual, he's one of our regular callers. Oh, great. You have a good morning. And thank you. Okay, take care. Why don't you give us a number for the um, for the for your chapter if people are interested in having you come to their school or come speak at their organization? Do you happen to know? Sure, they can call me two one five eight four eight. Well, and now, you, do you really want to give your home number? Over the air here. <laughs> I just happen to have the website page <laughs> copied there. Uh, you want me to? Uh, of course, it's in teeny tiny print. <laughs> yes, very teeny you, you tiny. You want me print. to read it all? I don't have my Air Force eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, now that you have your pen and pencil, the number is 215 848 6131. And um, you can also email them at uh, E-R-I-C-H-360 at AOL dot com. All right, so because um, they do go around. Now, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Prithenia Izzard. The program is sponsored by Alternative Medicine Therapies in Ballot Pennsylvania. Visit my website, www.amtherapies.com, or call 610-687-6184. And if we have time, when we get back, I'll give you a little more nemocolon uh, history. And, yes, we're talking with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman, recipient of the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor. Stay tuned. Don't passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, cold, flu, and other ailments. Listen to me, Parthenia Izzard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9, for Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom. I am a local natural health care practitioner and psychologist. I will show you alternative paths toward health with a holistic approach. Don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, Parthenia Izzard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9, only on AM 860 WWDB. Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies at 610-660-7710 for an initial consultation. 
Alternative medicine therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative medicine therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi light therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when alternative medicine therapies with psychologist Parthenia Izard is here to help? Contact alternative medicine therapies today for an initial consultation at 610-660-7710 and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. And don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izard's radio program each Saturday morning at 9 on AM860 WWDB. Okay, uh, you're listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izard. Next week, June 30, 2007, my guest will be Dan Stratford founder of Safe Harbor and the Alternative Mental Health Organization. These are resources. They provide resources for those seeking information about alternative ways of handling mental health issues. At that show's end, we will discuss the herb fenugreek and the asana dharum rasana. Now we're talking with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman and recipient of the Congressional Medal, Gold Medal of Honor and Difference. You know, I've got to stick this in because as time goes by, we may not get to it, and I had it toward the end of the program. But ladies and gentlemen, my husband introduced Eugene to rowing, sculling on the river. Yes, the Schuylkill. Uh-huh. And Eugene is a member of my husband's club. It's now his club, too, Undyne Barge Club. Mm-hmm. And you're a member for life. I yes. thought that was quite an well, honor. Well, your husband sort of told me, hey, Gene, uh, yeah. you're a life member of the Undyne Barge Club. Yeah. Uh my knees have gone bad. Yeah, see, I was trying and, to talk uh, him into rowing with me in a competition. And I just can't put the, you know, it's, it's a shame, but even walking upstairs can be a little uh, yeah, little tenuous. Yeah. But I thoroughly enjoyed those days of rowing on the river. And I even did an article on you. I remember seeing it with you holding oh, your yes. boat, and, getting uh, ready to go out on uh-huh. the river. That was neat. And, and your husband, John, is a fantastic instructor. I just, oh, he yes, just he seems is. to notice all the little things. I just, how does he know my wrist is <laughs> slightly bent or whatever? All the stuff that he can see that that needs correcting in your rowing. Yes. He but is. you guys and hey, I was the one day you beat him rowing. Uh oh. We were up, we were up oh, in yes. some camp up uh, in New York somewhere. Was it Craftsbury or Black Bear? I'm not sure which was, one. I think it was the last one. Black Bear. And yeah. you beat him. You beat. I said, oh man, Parthenia <laughs> is really on. Well, I was very competitive. Uh-huh. I mean, I was rowing twice a day there for a good while mm-hmm. when I was really competing heavily. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I don't know, John. I'm, you know, just shrug it off. It, well, it happens. You know, John, we don't win them all. <laughs> <laughs> and I had you as a coach, so it's okay. Now, so I had to stick that in. But anyway, tell us about some of your memorable experiences as a pilot. Um, first solo, first, you know, some of those first that left an impression. Oh, well, since I was a kid, I was always reading about uh airplanes and looking at pictures of airplanes and flying and I used to pretend I was flying and then the first time I went up I said this is just like the book just like the pictures <laughs> you know you look down you see the field and the other airplanes on the field and you're gliding down the land this is just like the pictures <laughs> and then of course you're constantly wishing for the day and dreaming and for the day when you would solo mm-hmm. and when I finally did solo 
I said, well, I could have done this long, long ago. ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the feeling that I'm actually in the air controlling this airplane. I can make this thing climb and turn and dive. And, oh, it was a fantastic feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, there was one time when you had to return quickly to base. Um, something with the engine. Oh, that was, uh, oh, I actually finished in combat combat uh, training in the P-47. Yeah. And um, we t- uh, the flight of four. And uh, we'd, our flight had taken off, and I joined up with the flight. We were going somewhere, and you, you know, one of the things you have to constantly do is you're constantly looking at your as you turn your head from side to side, checking the airspace. You're constantly checking your instruments, and I noticed that the oil temperature was going up, and then uh, I kept an eye on it, and I noticed it was approaching the red. And I said, well, "Oh, we gotta," because if you run out of oil, Not the engine expands and seizes the engine quits and that seven tons won't 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 float or glide <laughs> so I, I declared the emergency landing and went back uh, went back to the base fortunately uh, the engine continued running mm-hmm. until i got on the ground and it turns out that there was uh very little oil whether the mechanics forgot to put it in or mm-hmm. it leaked out or at any rate that's well, an adrenaline rush that's right i'm sure you were and, uh, wide awake when you got <laughs> yes uh, you have many, many interests, and I'm going to skip a couple of my next questions because time starts to fly as we get mm-hmm. past 930. Um, I met you, my husband and I met you, through skiing. Mm-hmm. When did you start skiing, Eugene? Ooh. That long ago, huh? Not so terribly long ago. I was. Uh, I wanted to ski, but uh, we were out in Ohio where it's perfectly flat, <laughs> so, you know. But, um, ooh, boy. Well, it's been a while. But well, it's been a while. Maybe, uh, oh, 1960, I guess. I, I oh, first went to a little place called Pine Hill in New Jersey, somewhere over there. Yeah, well, that's where we met him. About we met a him 10 foot a, high slope. <laughs> <laughs> we met him through a couple uh, who skied, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was, and then he got But into then the once again, John, and John was a great ski instructor also. Well, and, I was uh, a ski instructor also. Yeah, so you, know, you guys, you guys were in Blue Mountain, I believe. Yes, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I sort of favored the Ooh, as a matter of fact, it was at Blue Mountain when I met you guys when mm-hmm. John talked about rowing. Yes. And got me into rowing. Yeah. Oh, and I see you guys added so much to my life. <laughs> Oh, listen to him. But you guys did, too. But I mean, the Tuskegee Airmen aspect of you and then just your general personality is so bubbly. And I know it comes through the airwaves here. And, of course, all of the alternative medicine information that you share with me on a regular basis or when we do connect. I, I had some more I wanted to talk about. I wanted to get to the radio bit because he does have a background in radio. But before we go there... What are some of the alternative medicine things or vitamins or minerals that you feel are most important for people to incorporate? I mean, I know you're not a doctor. You're not a medical practitioner. Right. But just in terms of your own life and living, what have you found? I I recently came across information about vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. They've learned that vitamin D is far more uh, involved in, in, in our health system, our total health systems, then we, we normally think about bones and calcium. Mm-hmm. But vitamin D3 is actually made in your, in your kidneys and liver, but it's de- dependent on the sun. Uh, uh, ultraviolet B rays acting on your skin and cholesterol in your skin uh, helps make, you know, the liver makes vitamin D3. And um, our total health system is based on, after all, we're sun people. We should be out mm-hmm. in the sun. 
And since people of color are no longer where their genes were developed at the equator, they're not getting the amount of sun, so they're not getting the amount of vitamin D. So they're more, more prone I, to some of these I ailments. Think we, and I think we know that people of color have far more illnesses than, than, than white people. And I feel, and the, the, the research shows that it's due to the deficiency of vitamin D3. We're not in the sun, our bodies are not making it, so we have to take the vitamin D3 as a supplement. Well, now, what other things, what other things, because you've talked to me, I mean, we've had conversations about cinnamon, about turmeric, about all these different spices. These are natural things that that are very helpful for the body. There's a lot of diabetes in the black community. Cinnamon, a quarter of a teaspoon of regular cinnamon from your kitchen cabinet helps control your blood sugar. Uh, Turmeric, uh, once again, something that's right there in your kitchen. It's, it's uh, anti-inflammatory. So many of our illnesses are caused by inflammations of various sorts. And turmeric is anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and tastes good in your food. And it's not, hey, listen, uh, they, they found that uh, in India where they use a high amount of turmeric, there's an extremely low rate of uh, Alzheimer's. Oh, and the inflammation that uh, turmeric, uh, you know, Fights uh, could possibly be one of the causes of Alzheimer's. See, he just has such a store of knowledge there. Uh, it's amazing from airplanes and flight school and combat school, all the way to alternative medicine. Now, is there anything else? That, uh, well, obviously, exercise. You feel exercise is really oh, that's, important. That's another. Me- exercise is a medicine. Yeah. But yeah. we're so lazy. We just so we just want to sit down and relax and watch that dumb box and you know exercise the thumb exercise the <laughs> thumb right sure now I used to see uh, Eugene and his wife I call it power walking I don't know if that's what it's called but power walking up and down the uh, Wissahickon area yeah, and drive. stuff like that you know it, it bothers me that we have this wonderful drive across, along the river and it, it costs absolutely nothing totally free. But you see relatively few, relatively few people of color taking advantage of this fantastic place to walk and exercise and improve their health. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, Okay, so we've got fitness, we've got herbs, we've got vitamins. Anything else I haven't touched on in terms of alternative medicine that you would like to share? See, this is your turn. We need to drink water. Oh, yeah. Okay. From the faucet. Uh-oh, he says from the faucet, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we differ on that piece, but water, water. Well, because natural water has a lot of, a lot of minerals, and our body needs, needs the minerals. Iron, calcium, those things, those are things that our body oh, needs. Oh, yeah, that's critical. And they're from, you get them from natural water. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. Um, ladies and gentlemen, before we go to break, there's a little bit of uh, history of nemocolon I want to share with you. Uh, Nemecolin's trail was later widened and used by Colonel George Washington and General Edward Braddock during the French and Indian uh, War. And Fort uh, Necessity was constructed near the trail and remains a nationally renowned point of interest today. Did you know that? See, Nemecolin is a resort. I don't know if you've ever been out in Farmington, Pennsylvania, that John and I fell in love with. So every show, I share a little bit of information about the the history, Mm -hmm. or some of the amenities at the uh, resort. But anyway, you are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. The program is sponsored by Alternative Medicine Therapies in Ballakinwood, Pennsylvania. 
visit my website, www.amtherapies.com, and uh, you can go to my website and click on the Internet link and listen to the program there. We'll be back with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman, recipient of the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor, dear friend, and as, as you've heard, very much into alternative medicine. Why should you passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, colds, flu, and other ailments? It's time to take charge of your life with preventive measures. Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies at 610-660-7710 for an initial consultation. Alternative Medicine Therapies offers a holistic approach to preventive care, unlike conventional medicine that tries to correct the illness that exists instead of preventing it altogether. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is hopeless. Alternative medicine therapies like iridology, kinesiology, reflexology, energy medicine, which includes chi life therapy, acupressure, and psychological consultations has an amazing track record of positive results. Why suffer when alternative medicine therapies with psychologist Parthenia Izard is here to help? Contact Alternative Medicine Therapies today for an initial consultation at 610-660-7710 and visit their website at www.amtherapies.com. Don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom, psychologist Parthenia Izard's radio program each Saturday morning at 9 on AM860 WWDB. Don't passively exist with backaches, allergies, PMS, cold, flu, and other ailments. Listen to me, Parthenia Izard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9 for Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom. I am a local natural health care practitioner and psychologist. I will show you alternative paths toward health with an holistic approach. Don't miss Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, Parthenia Izzard, at my new time, Saturday mornings at 9, only on AM 860 WWDB. You are listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard. And um, next week, I will give you information about the answer to the Alt-Med trivia question because I know Anthony is dying to know, and I don't want him to expire on us uh, over something so trivial as that. Uh, Today we are talking with Eugene Richardson, Tuskegee Airman, and recipient of the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor. And as I said earlier, a dear friend. Again, there's one more piece I want to add about Nemecolin before I go back uh, to Eugene. Uh, In the mid-1800s, Congress established the first national highway, utilizing the existing Nemecolin's Trail and extending it westward until the railroads became prevalent some 50 years later. This highway was the major means of east-west transportation. Today, this highway is known as U.S. Route 40. For those of you who use that, did you know that? Did you know that? (laughs) Well, anyway, yes. So, okay, we've covered the waterfront here. We've gone from his Tuskegee Airmen experience to education. What was the major lesson or, I guess, yeah, lesson that you got out of your education experience? We didn't see so Young didn't people, all young people can learn. Uh-huh. But we need to help them learn through their own learning style. Um, many kids need hands-on um experiences for learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notion that you can take, well, my experience was you've got 35 kids in a class and you're trying to tell them all the same thing in, in, in 43 minutes and uh, 
it's just impossible to, to to reach every person because they'll have different ways of uh, different ways of learning, and uh, our education system has to be geared to the individual, which it currently is not. So like a we, holistic we, approach. Yeah, we just miss so many kids mm-hmm. because we're trying to get uh, you know use the shotgun at all of them, and, and, and it doesn't work. Now, what about with staff? What did you find was the best way to manage staff to sort of be able to, you know, connect with the youngsters or, you know, uh, what do you call it, change enough to incorporate some of these holistic ideas? You have to help them understand that, first of all, we have, you have to set up conditions so that the staff can actually work. Mm. Um, when you're giving them a large number of kids in very short periods of time, there's not so much they can do. Sort of undermines their success. Yeah, and then we have to understand that uh, when children come to your classroom, they come in different levels of preparation. And we have to be able to deal with the kids where they are mm-hmm. and uh, build on what they what they bring to us and not blame them when it's actually the, edu- it's the fault of education that the kids are uh, at, at the... Uh, level of preparation, but so much of education goes back to the home. I was just going to say. Uh, parents are the first and primary teachers to assume that you can take a kid, more or less neglect him for four or five years, and then ship him off to school and expect them to hold them responsible for his education is just totally wrong. I have, a, I have a, my grandchildren are, uh, right now there are, Two and four. <laughs> well, I actually have two sets. My own grandchildren, naturally, and then my wife has, uh, mm-hmm. you know, grandchildren that are a little older. Mm-hmm. And seeing what they can learn and how much they want to learn at these very early ages. And then look at kids in some of the public schools that come to school, they start off with actually nothing. I have my this one child, one grandchild was like only two years of age. And it's amazing. You can be amazed at what she has already learned to do, mm-hmm. because her parents expose her to these things. Her parents work with her. The, the toys that she uh, has are, are education uh, toys that uh, are, are actually educational. And uh, can you imagine a kid coming to a kindergarten and not knowing colors? No, just totally absurd, or not knowing numbers. Well, then we're at the point where we need your final words of wisdom. What? Life is short. Oh. And this is from a man who's how old now? <laughs> eighty-one and eighty-one years and nine months. <laughs> but life is short, and and there's just so much that you you can do or need to do, mm. and there's so much we can do for each other. Uh, we don't just live for ourselves; we have to also live for others, and help them um, be successful in life and have have a full uh, full life. Okay. And you feel better by doing that. Uh, I'm, I'm referred to as a nut because I'm talking. I talk to people about uh, nutrition and exercise and health, but I want other people to enjoy. Enjoy. I just hate seeing people that are unhealthy and, and, and crippled, and mm-hmm. it's just so sad to see all these extremely obese people walking around. And I know that they aren't living or can't live a full life, and they're going to be, have illnesses. And uh, I just love to share my knowledge with them so that they would have a, a better life. 
Well, thank you very much, Eugene, for coming this morning and visiting with us. Well, it's been my pleasure, Parthenia. Uh, you have a wonderful rest of the day, and you will be coming back. Okay. <laughs> I look forward to it. Okay. Now it's time for our herb of the day. Today's herb is fennel. The parts used medicinally are the fruit, roots, and stems. Some of the phytochemicals include alpha-pinene, benzoic acid, beta-carotene, beta-cystosterol, caffeic acid, camphor, cinnamic acid, uh, fumaric acid, limonene. Some of the nutrients include amino acids, calcium, choline, essential excuse me, fatty acids, iron, magnesium, manganese, phosphorus, potassium, uh, selenium, vitamins B1, B2, B3, C, and E. According to Balk and Balk, they're used as an anti-appetite suppressant and as an eye wash. It promotes the functioning of the kidneys, liver, and spleen, and also clears the lungs. Uh, relieves abdominal pain, colon disorders, gas, and gastrointestinal tract spasms. Useful for acid stomach, good after chemotherapy, and or radiation treatments for cancer. Uh, the, powered, oh, the powdered plant can be used as a flea repellent. And for our yoga asana, bhujangasana, lie face down with the feet together and the toes pointing back. Bend the elbows and place the hands on the floor in front of the hips, fingers apart. Draw the shoulders back and lift the head. Keeping the legs on the floor and the knees straight, inhale and raise the head, chest, and abdomen and straighten the arms. Press the sacrum and pubis down. Extend the front of the body toward the chin and coil the spine backward. Do not strain. Take the head further back and look up. Look back. Without constricting the neck, stay for from 20 to 30 seconds, breathing evenly. Exhale and come down. Some of the benefits, according to Dr. Shah, that it strengthens complete spine, uh, posterior spinal muscles and ligaments, tones the larynx, heart, and neck muscles, broadens the chest, stimulates abdominal and pelvic organs, uh, strengthens the joints of the upper extremities, and tones the hip and thigh muscles. You have been listening to Wellness, Wholeness, and Wisdom with me, psychologist Parthenia Izzard at WWDB 860 AM and simulcast on the Internet. Next weekend, June 30, 2007, my guest will be Dan Stratford, founder of Safe Harbor and the Alternative Mental Health Organization. Those are resources for those seeking information about alternative ways of handling mental health issues. At the show's end, we'll discuss the Arab Greek and the Asana Virha Rasana. Listen to the program live on the Internet. Interested in advertising or interning on the program? Call 610-660-7710. And I welcome your participation in my blog. Don't forget about Nemecolon, wellness, wholeness, and wisdom. Be well.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.